See, this morning, uh, this morning, this afternoon, uh, we're in our series Gifted to Go. Last week, Stu kicked us off with what I thought was quite a prophetic message, actually, um, about what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to be, a, to be Spirit-filled believers today. And uh, this week, we're looking at prophecy, and I just want to remind us as we begin of what Paul says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12 um, about the gifts of the Spirit. He says, now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So it's important if we're going to be pursuing the gifts, which we're going to look at in a minute, about how uh, we are called to earnestly pursue the gifts, especially prophecy, uh, that we are not uninformed, that we teach on them that we go about our pursuit in the way that God would want us to do it. And actually, especially as a young church, we want to be a church that is maturing together in the gifts. Think about it. We've been around for two years, and of that two years, almost half of that time has been under some kind of restrictions to COVID. And so we're young in so many ways as a church, including our maturing in the gifts. And so what I just want to call us to as we continue in this series is something really simple, that we don't come to the gifts and think about the gifts in such a way that we come looking to consume. You know, what, what's church going to do for me? I, I'm coming ready to to see what this church has for me, rather than being the body, maturing together, being whatever part it is that we have to play as part of the body of the church. So thinking, how do I contribute here? How do I contribute to the maturing of the gifts at Glasgow Grace as we pursue these together? So have that in your mind as we begin uh, this series, um, as we keep going through this series. And, um, yeah, ask yourself, what part have I got to play here? What is God calling me to do? All right, before we begin, Neve is going to pray for us, one of our wonderful students. Hi, I'm Neve. I'm a fourth-year student at Glasgow University, and I'm just going to pray for us before we get into the message. Father God, I just thank you that um, although we can't meet together in person, we're still able to join online together and hear your word. I just pray that you're with Ian as he preaches today, Lord, and that we just have open hearts ready to hear what you have to say. I thank you for this new series, Lord, um, and that we're going to learn today about the gift of prophecy. I pray that you give us a real understanding of why um, prophetic words are so helpful um, as a church community and helpful for mission, Lord. I also pray that you're with us to just be open to receiving prophetic words, Lord, and that you be with us to be confident to share those with others. I also pray that you'd be with us to encourage each other within the church, Lord, and encourage each other with these prophetic words for mission. Yeah, I just pray, Lord, that you just um, give us an open heart right now to receive your word and that you just really speak through Ian of what we need to hear. In your name I pray. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you, Neve. Um, now, it was going to be Lindsay and I who were going to preach this together. But unfortunately, as you can probably tell, she's working today, this weekend. Uh, she's had to work at the hospital. So next weekend, we're going to preach on tongues together. 
Um, so looking forward to that. It's going to be nice to have uh, Lindsay up beside me and, and doing it together. Um, but yeah, if you're expecting Lindsay, I'm so sorry to disappoint. It's just me. Now, I'm going to flip the way that we would usually do things. Uh, often I would come and, and bring some teaching and then uh, as part of that teaching, hopefully bring some examples and, and um, ways uh, to help us to do things in a practical way. But actually, I'm going to begin with a prophetic word this afternoon, okay? And then that will hopefully serve as some kind of example, and we can kind of talk about it as we go through um, the teaching. So I was, I was out praying uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was actually in the car um, after I had been praying, and God had been speaking to me during that time of prayer about people in the church who had been given a prophetic word. Now, I don't know who those people are, but just got this real sense that God was saying, there are people in the church who know that I have spoken about particular things in their lives, that I have given them a vision for something that's supposed to take place in their lives. And they've stopped believing it. And I'm in the car, and the radio comes on, and I hear this news piece. I hadn't, honestly, I hadn't really been listening to the radio, but suddenly this news piece just hits me about Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury Cathedral, of all places. Apparently, Shrewsbury Cathedral has these beautiful paintings, but they've been covered up in the 50s during austerity after the Second World War. So they were strapped for cash, and they thought the cheapest way that we can maintain this is to not maintain it and just paint over it. And so they painted over these beautiful paintings, but in the last couple of weeks they were discovered again, and actually the double layer of paint that was over the top of them could be peeled back and these paintings restored. And I felt God say clearly to me that those, that, that was a representation of what was going on in some people's lives in our church where they'd been given a prophetic word, they knew that it was God speaking, and they had painted over the top of it because the cost was too high. And some of those people might not think that that's what they've done. They've not thought, oh, the cost's too high, so we painted over it. They think they've made sensible decisions. They think that they've made wise decisions when actually the real truth is the cost was too high, and so you painted over the top. And God is saying to you today, I believe, I think this is what God is saying, that it is not too late, and he can peel that paint back and bring that vision to life. We'll come back to that word at the end, okay? But I just want if that's you, I just want you to let that sit on you uh, during the meeting. Some of you were thinking, what on earth was that? That was so strange, Ian. Like, that's so weird. What even is prophecy? Well, in its simplest form, prophecy is to take what God has put in you to say to a person or a group of people and to then speak it out to them. That's in its very simplest form, what prophecy is. Now, there are more complex ways of looking at it, but that in its simplest form is what prophecy is. 
So let's turn to the Bible to help us to see what it is and how we should go about pursuing it. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14, if you've done much reading about around this before, this is an absolutely classic text, okay? So 1 Corinthians, and there's a reason for it. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 through 5 say this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So the first thing to notice is that Paul says to this church in Corinth that they are to pursue prophecy in the same breath as saying that they should pursue love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And as we look through all the gifts that are listed throughout the New Testament, we see four main lists and 18 gifts if you count them all up. And the only gift to remain on all four lists is prophecy. Prophecy can come in lots of forms. Timely biblical truth. Someone just receives a it gets this sense from God that they're supposed to share a verse with you at a particular time. Something about your future. A picture that someone gets in their head and they share it. A particular word or phrase that just keeps coming up in your mind. A, a message that God gives you for your generation. Or maybe even a future generation. Think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Martin Luther King Jr., that, that is prophecy in some way. And let's be clear here, you aren't making these things up, okay? This isn't just cleverly devised pictures you're making in your head and then looking to kind of sound a Yoda-like and share your wisdom. That's not what's going on here. It's actually helpful, I think, to think about what prophecy is not when we think about what prophecy is. It's not a performance. It's not like a magician who gets up and wants to try and show off their skills. Avoid the Yoda routine. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so wise. I've just, gotta, I've just gotta get up and share. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 um, is, is helpful. Let me just turn to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It's only a page before. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's Spirit. It's, it's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit showing Himself through you, through the prophetic word that you receive and share. And the whole point of it is that we see the Holy Spirit at work not you. So we want to make less of ourselves here. We, we really want to press into what it means to be weak 
and have the Spirit of God seen as strong through us. We, we, were, uh, we, we tend to pray with Annabelle, um, like I'm sure lots of parents do, before uh, she goes to bed at night. And um, I was praying with her a few weeks ago. And uh, I just want to share this story. I'm, I'm usually cautious of sharing this kind of story because uh, I don't want Annabelle at age 14 or whatever to come back to me and be like, what on earth? What? Why, did you, why did you share that? Some friend like digs it up from the internet or something. I, um, I, I, so I'm usually a bit careful, but I, I think this one's going to be all right. I think she's going to be okay with me sharing this if, when she's uh, age 14. Um, but we were praying, and I just want to read out what I, I wrote down afterwards now i don't want to give you the impression that uh our children are like you know really amazingly godly kids that's not the <laughs> not the case uh, this actually really surprised me in the moment and that's partly why i want to share it because um annabelle shared this uh and and it, it took me by surprise and it just helped me see, to see that actually this is god at work when we see the prophetic uh, in its genuine form So I just said this, as I was praying for Annabelle at bedtime tonight, I prayed over her in tongues just for a moment. Afterwards, she said, why did you say, I told her that God gives us a prayer language sometimes and that it helps us to focus on God. Didn't say anything else. She wasn't satisfied by that answer and suggested we ask God. Good idea. I said, that's a great idea. And she prayed, God, why do you give a prayer language? She actually pronounced it language. We then just waited, and I was honestly, I was working out what to say that God will answer in his own way and in his own time. (laughs) When Annabelle said, I see a library with books and books and books towering miles up, I said, wow, that's amazing because when we don't have the words, like in all those books, we get given the words in a prayer language. And Annabelle wasn't convinced by my answer again. <laughs> she said, no, God said the library is the prayer language. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to share that because what it demonstrates is that whoever you are, God can speak through you. Okay, you, you don't have to be the Yoda type before you get up and share a prophetic word. You can be a four-year-old who just shares what God has put in her. God can speak through all of us. Prophecy is also not equal to Scripture, and that's extremely important for us to get right. So we teach from the Bible about prophecy and about spiritual gifts, and about everything else, because the Bible is what has authority. The Bible, not our interpretation, but the Bible itself in its original form, is infallible. It is totally right, totally perfect in every way. Our interpretation of what God puts in us, and how we then speak it out And a prophetic word is not. And actually, sometimes we will think that God has spoken to us and we will just have got that wrong. And we have to be okay with that. Someone um, once said this. I don't know who it was, but 
really helpful, I think. The Bible is all of God's truth for all of God's people at all times. Prophecy emphasizes and highlights some of God's truth to some of God's people at some times. Is that helpful? The, the Word of God lasts forever. It's, it's, it's perfect in the way that it is presented to us. And sure, um, our interpretation is often wrong, but the Word of God itself, written down as it originally was, was written down perfectly. It's infallible. We, when we share prophetic words, are fallible. And it's not just teaching. Sure, there's a prophetic element to preaching and teaching. Absolutely, I actually thought what Stu brought last week was a good example of what you might call a prophetic preach. But it's clearly distinct as well. So the way that we see the gifts laid out in Scripture, there's a, dis- there's a uh, distinction between them, a distinction made when they are laid out. Teaching and prophecy are not the same thing. And we also see that uh, when teaching is talked about, it's not usually talked about next to prophecy. Sometimes, but not usually. So important to say that as well. But who is prophecy for? So if that's what prophecy is, who is prophecy for? Well, answer is all and some. All and some. (laughs) So this passage which is part of this larger um, teaching from beginning of chapter 12 all the way to the end of chapter 14, shows us that both simple prophetic encouragement uh, seems to be for all of us. Seems that all of us could prophesy in that way. But there is also an office or a, uh, there's a, a particular type of gifting that could make someone a prophet. If you look at Ephesians 4, for instance, we can see that there is the gift uh, of prophecy that is so strong in someone that they would be called a prophet. And that actually becomes their kind of main ministry, the main way in which they encourage and build up the church and help establish churches and strengthen churches. And that is quite different. And but we get kind of everything in between in the Bible as well. Let me just give you a couple of examples to hopefully help you. So whenever Lindsay and I first uh, felt the call to come back to Glasgow, the guy who prophesied over us, I would say, uh, is as close to uh, someone that I would say is a prophet with that Ephesians 4 type gift because he's just so incredibly accurate uh, it's unbelievable to come into a room and just prophesy over different people in the room and you think, surely, surely he's written ahead. Surely he, he's, he's asked people about them before he's done that. I mean, he just, that was just unbelievable. How on earth would he know all those things and, and prophesy in such a way that seems just so incredibly accurate? But then I was, I was praying with somebody on Friday morning as part of a, a pastor's prayer get-together and I just was praying, and I felt like God said to me, I, I want you to uh, mention 1 Timothy 2 too. And I don't know why, uh, but I went to it, and I read it out, and I prayed over it. And the guy said to me, 
you'll never believe it, but yesterday God spoke to me about that very passage, and I feel like in this next season it's going to be really important to us, and he's just affirmed it through you. Now, I'm, I don't think I have a particularly strong gift in prophecy, but God used that, just put something in me, and I thought, well, I'm going to share that. It feels like it's from God, and I shared it, but I'm certainly not an Ephesians 4 prophet in any way. And so you kind of got, you've got people who are gifted in prophecy, and then you've got people who develop that to such an extent that you, they would even be understood to be like a prophet. Now, I actually am I'm a wee bit, I'm averse to calling people that. And so at Glasgow Grace, you probably won't hear us ever call someone a prophet because I think in our context with people from all sorts of different backgrounds, it actually can be quite confusing. And we, what we don't mean is Old Testament prophet and that kind of prophet where the word of God is given like the infallible word that we talked about a moment ago. But I kind of a very strong gift in prophecy. So that our language is probably going to be more a really strong gift in prophecy. They're, they've got a really strong prophetic gift, um, a really developed prophetic gift, and we would want them to use that if they um, were gifted in that way. Um, but on the other end of things, I would say, hey, whoever you are, God could put something in you to share with someone that is a prophetic act. So, some and all. Well, uh, when I was um, just preparing this message for today, I was thinking, how, how do you talk about that breadth of what prophecy is? Well, here, here's what I, I, my heart is as I read through Scripture. I just feel like God would be saying, yes, there are some in our church who have a prophetic gift and need to really develop it. But there are others who think, well, I don't have that prophetic gift, so I'm never going to share anything, even when I'm reading the Bible and I feel like it's for someone and I should WhatsApp them. And I don't do it because I don't have that gift. Well, I just feel like God would be saying, no, no, anyone can, and I can put that in anyone. But also there are people with prophetic gifts that we want to identify and see them grow in them and help build the church together with that gift. So it's both and. So why is prophecy given? Why is it given? Well, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Now, that is not the only definition of prophecy in the New Testament, but what I would say is that it is the norm. So the norm would be that you receive a word that strengthens, encourages, or comforts. So when you receive a prophetic word, that is what I would expect to see. But there are sometimes warnings that need to be brought. So if you ever feel like God has given you a warning, you just think, um, I think God's put this in me to warn this person or this group or us as a church can I ask that you take that to your Grace Community Leader, you take that to, to me or to Johnny or to someone else um, in leadership, and, and actually that we weigh that for a time before we bring it. Because I think the norm should be strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And actually the, the pastoral implications of bringing those kinds of words are not as serious as if we were to bring a warning for someone that actually we ended up getting wrong. Okay, so we would actually want to weigh the warnings quite a, quite a bit more seriously before we bring the word, not just after. So if that's you, just, yeah, hold off on the warnings. 
Paul wants everyone to speak in tongues, he says, but even more so to prophesy. Why? Because it builds up the whole church. The church was born. The prophet Joel was quoted by Peter in his sermon about the era of the Spirit. That's what Lynn read out at the beginning of our meeting. Now, we've got to remember, until Jesus came along, there had been, well, in fact, until John the Baptist came along, there had been 400 years of silence. Now, in the era of the church, after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, we, and and in the pouring out of the Spirit, we are in this time between Jesus' first and second comings, and it is to be marked by the prophetic. So when the Holy Spirit brings the prophetic, it is this sign that God is with us between Jesus' ascension and his return. And actually, when the prophetic comes in a church, when, when it flows, such life is brought with that gift. I, um, I remember uh, whenever we were down for our first summer in pool, I could not believe how dry and hot it was compared to here. Now, having grown up in Glasgow, grown up in Lindsay, which is like basically built on a bog, I had never thought that it would be a good idea to hose down the grass in the evenings. But I had to learn pretty quickly down in pool because if you didn't, the grass would get withered and it would start to get all dry and the soil would be really, really hard and your grass would just be pathetic. Well, the same um, is true when we aren't living spirit-filled lives together, and a part of that spirit-filled living should be to have this culture of the prophetic in our churches, and a little like just sprinkling the hose each evening onto the grass, the prophetic, along with the other gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit will bring us such life as a church. So we really want to grow in this gift together. We want to be encouraged and strengthened and comforted. So how can we do that? How can we grow in the prophetic together? Well, the prophetic is found in the treasure box of spirit-filled prayer. Prayer that listens to the Spirit. And anticipates him to speak. That's the place we hear from God. And the only way to be a church genuinely thriving in the prophetic is to be in spirit-filled prayer. Acts 13, 1 1 through 2 is a really good example. It says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, you hear that? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Prayer times like that will help us encourage and show each other how to listen for this, what the Spirit 
is putting in us and speaking out to us. And we want those meetings to spill over into the rest of our lives as well. So we've got to get out of this habit of kind of flicking a switch after we've been in a meeting as if to say that that is the only time that the prophetic is to be brought. Actually, the prophetic should be a part of our lives. It should kind of flow out of us as we live life. So here's what I'd like to do, just get really practical for just a few minutes about how is it that we should look to bring the prophetic in our meetings. And I'm going to start with Grace Communities and uh, Sundays, and then we'll look very quickly at how we might think about evangelism. So when the prophetic starts to come in a meeting like Sundays or Grace Communities, we need to take the Apostle Paul's words to the church in Corinth and ensure that we are ordered and understood. That's the first thing. If you look further down to 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 33, um, just glance over that. Paul has laid out principles there for our meetings with all kinds of important elements going on. Preaching, prayer, communion, singing worship together. These are important. So, how are we trying to work that out at Glasgow Grace? How are we going to try and bring all of these elements together in an ordered way but still be free in the spirit to bring prophetic words and and make sure that we're not harnessing that and holding that back too much. Well, here's some principles. First one is we bring it together. Someone brought something at the Monday night meeting um, at Charing Cross before we had to stop those. And I was hosting and this person brought a brilliant word, but it had grown arms and legs And so I just said, look, this is great. I'm not as sure about the rest of it. Why don't you just bring this? She brought it, and it was such a powerful word. But I just felt like if she'd brought everything, it would have got confusing. And actually, it might have taken up the whole meeting. So if, if, or the whole rest of the meeting. So if you've come up and, and, and someone who's hosting the meeting talks to you about it and says, suggests something like that. Remember, we're teaming this. We're doing it together. And it's so helpful if we don't think that, um, you know, it's all about, I've got to get all of this out right now. Um, but to think, okay, well, how do we do this together? So we team it. And we bring it in a timely way. That's the second thing. Someone might come to the host Um, before the kids are about to go out or something on a Sunday, or maybe right before you have your your dinner at food night at Grace Community, and it's just not quite the right time. So they might say to you, well, why don't you, can you hold on that and just sit on it? And then you might, maybe the host at the time might even think, I'm not sure about that word if that's for right now. But then something happens during the meeting and it becomes immediately obvious later on and actually there's a better or there's just a better space to bring it and the host would go "Ah, okay and go and grab you again say look I said hold on that thank you so much for doing that would you come and bring it now it seems like the right moment so there's a kind of timely way to bring these words as well we bring it short I think less than a minute is ideal now that's not a biblical command Of course it's not, but it makes sense to me when we're trying to do all these other things during meetings, all important things. 
Now, there will, of course, be times where a word needs to be spoken over the church um, that's, that we just feel is important to be heard. So you might bring a prophetic word, and uh, it might actually be, bring it, bring it now, great. Keep it short. Keep it under a minute if you can. Keep it punchy. It's going to really help people because it's going to help people really grasp it and not just dominate the meeting. Or it might be, do you know what? We're going to bring that word at another time because I think it needs more. I think we need to actually give this 20 minutes or 10 minutes at a prayer meeting or 20 minutes during a, a meeting. It might be like that. So we're not saying never, but most of the time, look to bring it snappy and short. We bring it under generous leadership. The ESV um, in verse 29 says, let two or three. So let two or three would suggest to me that it should be led. And that, that's in keeping with the rest of the, the text uh, where we see that we're to bring this in an ordered way and in an intelligible way. So we don't want to become lopsided simply because the prophetic amongst us want to speak at every moment they can um, or want to bring it really long. So it's, I think it's important that it is led. We bring it with the joy of the Lord. We don't, we don't want to bring it with a kind of, oh, so uh, I think God might be saying that, um, oh, you know, he really loves you. No, like bring it with joy. I think we should, we should be bringing it with joy. If, if this is going to strengthen and encourage and comfort, if this is the Holy Spirit making himself manifest, then we've got to be faithful to that. Bring it with joy. We bring it gently. Now, I th that, what I mean by that is, and I had to watch myself a little bit, I have to say, at the beginning, <laughs> when I was bringing that word at the beginning. Because I don't think it's healthy for us to say, God says. Because of the reasons we've already given about what's fallible and infallible. So when we bring a word, I think it's healthy for us to say, I think God might be saying this. So we bring it gently. Once we bring it, we test it. So the Bible's response to our fallibility in prophecy is not for us to just not prophesy. <laughs> it's that we test it, we weigh it. And that's a far more mature approach than just pretending that the gift doesn't exist today. First Thess Thessalonians 5, don't quench the spirit by despising prophecy, but test everything. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And that is the last one of those principles of bringing uh, words during our meetings, our grace communities, our Sundays, our normal weekly rhythms is only two or three should bring a word. And um, that is given in Corinth in a particular context, and uh, I think is a response to the abuses that are going on. So I don't think that that is always the case, but I think it's a great principle to bring, because I, I don't know if we can actually, if it's really palatable for us all the time to, to bring um, more than that regularly. But there will be times where we go, oh, okay, that, that actually works really well. Let's go for it. Let's bring a fourth. 
but I think two or three is, is usually helpful. And let's just remember we're a family looking to help each other out. So when we bring these words, we're looking to encourage and strengthen. And hey, we're going to make mistakes at times. And let's be humble about that, but let's also encourage and build each other up when that happens. Help each other out, get alongside each other, and keep going. All right, I wanted to quickly talk about taking the prophetic to unbelievers. Um, but here's what I'm going to do. Instead of doing that, I'm, I'm going to do, uh, I'll do a little video during the week because we're running out of time here, and I would prefer us just to take some time to respond um, in worship. So I'm going to ask the guys to come back up. I want you to go back to that word at the beginning. Is there a vision that God has given you to return to? Do you need to peel off the excuses? Are there sensible decisions that actually were sensible in the eyes of the world, but they weren't faithful to the radical call God has put in your life? Do you know that God has said something to you and you've given up on it? He's not given up on you. I'm going to pray for you if that's you right now. And then I'll go and have a look at the Padlet page, see who's been sharing. Time to share now if, you're, if you plan to. And um, we'll see if there's one or two other words um, that we'll bring towards the end of the meeting. Father God, we want to be biblical. We want to be people who are obedient to your word, who, who read it, understand it, do it. <laughs> so Lord, help us, we pray, not to run away from this because we think it's scary. Help us, Lord, to be faithful and, and not just to, to kind of run headlong into it in a way that is irresponsible, but we do. We want to grow in the prophetic. We want to see the, the wonder, the glory, the beauty of a church that is, is strengthened and encouraged and comforted by you speaking into our lives and then speaking over others, speaking over other people in the church. Lord, if it's prophetic words uh, on a walk this week that we have for one another or for somebody that we meet in the street or someone that you, you give us a prophetic word about to go and speak to this week and tell them about you, Jesus, in some way, Father, we just open ourselves up now and we say, Lord, use us in this gift. And I pray particularly for those who you have given a, a particular gift to, a gift of prophecy. Lord, would you strengthen that gift in them? Lord, we, we want to see you raise up uh, many in our church who have strong prophetic gifts, who use them not only here, but throughout Glasgow as they uh, bring your word um, and, and have that glorious gift used, but also beyond that into other churches for their strengthening too. So come, Lord Jesus, would you make us a, a people of joy as your spirit fills us and we use gifts like prophecy regularly. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you.